This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Welcome once again, nerds, geeks, and gamers, to the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. It is Monday, March 12th, and spring has sprung. Blech. The sun was a shining this weekend, and it makes me sick. But I do look forward to spending the next six months of spring and summer indoors, playing video games, talking about video games, and watching videos of video games, just like what I've done for the last six months. Hmm. Today on the show, I'm going to run through some of what I've been playing, including my experience so far in Need for Speed Payback, before we then dive into a great conversation about portable gaming with the friend of the show, Alan Hale. As for the spiel, if you like this podcast, please tell a friend. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Just look up WAG Podcast on either and hit that button. Send me emails at WAGPodcastPDX and suggest guests or topics like Alan did. Or just say hi and let me know you're out there. Also, be sure to check out my other podcastification on the Adventure Club podcast over at acpnet.net. We recently got to talk to a certified rocker, Freeman, about his career and his adventures from the UK and around the world. This is the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast, bub. So, as previously stated, here's what I am currently playing. I've still got Final Fantasy XII going, somewhat. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I've been distracted and busy over the last couple of weeks with just bunches of stuff going on. It's been nice, but it's been hard to get some gaming in. Any any quality gaming time, I should say. Um, but, as I say that, I've also been able to play a, a good chunk of Need for Speed Payback as well, which we'll get into very in-depth in a minute. Um, last night, I hung out with some buddies and actually did some tabletop RPG playing for the first time in my life. So everybody's familiar with something like Dungeons and Dragons, where you've got a dungeon master, you roll your dice, you do your thing. Well, we used the Pathfinder set of rules and characters and such and i am currently a ranger who i've tentatively named rangor <laughs> so rangor the ranger um in this one though it's pretty neat the ranger class is actually a dwarf which is weird just in terms of fantasy characters overall but we had a fun time just doing a little trial battle um exploring this little town with a tavern that had been ransacked by who knows what and there's little orcs and crap everywhere and our dm was very creative he plays a lot of dwarf fortress so he was very what is it literate i don't know he he went into excruciating excruciating detail of the gore and the violence that took place by our hand upon these poor 
defenseless orcs, basically. But it was very entertaining. We all had a very good time until we forgot about the time change because I swear to God, I looked at my watch. It was like a quarter after one. And I was like, ah, cool, you know, hang out for another hour or so and then probably wrap things up. And then next thing I know, it's like 10 after three. <laughs> what the fuck? What? Time warp, right? So yeah, forgot about the time change, lost an hour there, and everybody kind of panicked, scrambled, and we all got the hell out. But it was a lot of fun, and I do look forward to doing it again. It's it's something I've always wanted to dabble and get into. Um, something I can't take too seriously, though, because it is a very large time commitment, and you've got to get... God, we had seven people total, six in the party, one DM. Like, that's a lot of people to to get on the same schedule to be able to do something like that. So I don't know if we'll ever be able to do it again, but it was fun. Like I said, um, beyond that though, God, it's still, it's a, a, a barren wasteland until like I've been talking about far cry five on like the 27th. So until then, I guess I'm back into racing. So I was able to fire up and get back into GT sport. There was a a few updates that have taken place since I last played. Um, the last time I played, they had added the kind of single-player career mode back in from the classic Gran Turismo's, where you actually go and do your your Sunday Cup and your Clubman Cup and the front-wheel drive-only races, rear-wheel drive-only races, the whole kind of career progression thing that has been in every Gran Turismo until this one. Or oh, actually, I take that back. The PSP one didn't have that either. Anyway, <laughs> I've been neglecting that game and kind of shying away from it because there's it's just it's been missing a lot of the the pieces that other racing sims have added so got back in and i was racing a couple laps jumped into the ford raptor pickup that they've got in there and it's there's like a little series of three or four races i think that you use racing just those the sound which is always 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 been an issue with Gran Turismo reared its ugly head on track on like street courses the transmission whine was like overbearing in this vehicle and I think it's been in all of them it just really stood out in the the Raptor because racing around this oval track and then another like road circuit all, like I said, all I could hear was transmission whine the whole time. Like, over the engine exhaust, over the other competitors, over the tire noise, everything. So, go from that onto the last race of the, the little mini-series that's on dirt. Transmission whine sound is completely gone. In its place, there's, like, the, the off-road gravel rocks and stuff getting flung around. So, I think there's an audio budget in air quotes, where you can only, I mean, obviously, this is, this is something I remember learning from Michael Bay's commentary on one of the Transformers movies, that when you're doing audio mixing, there is, I, I'm just calling it a budget, but there's only so much audio that you can shove into somebody's ears and through the pipeline at once before it just turns into mud. So in this case, they chose the off-road noises in lieu of the transmission noise, which was a welcome change because now I can actually hear what the truck is supposed to sound like from the inside. Something else, once I was done with that race that was bugging me, was the menu music 
was like way too loud sometimes. Like you get to the end of the race and all of a sudden it's just like where I have the music turned off otherwise. So it's very shocking when that happens. So I go into the, the audio options just in the, like in the middle of a race, I think. Lo and behold, there's some new sliders that weren't there before that I can recall. There's one for, I don't have the picture in front of me now, but there was one for the transmission noise, which I was very impressed to see, but they also added a slider for tire noise, which has been a complaint of mine for two decades now. Oh, so basically Polyphony Digital has been listening to my podcast. They listened to me rant and rave back when I compared the audio to, I think it was Dirt Rally at that point. So go back and check out that episode because they listened. They they heard me and I appreciate it greatly. And now I'm going to buy three or four, maybe eight copies of the game to show my support because it's finally at that point where I want to play it. I went through these sliders, turned down all the crap that I don't want to hear. I kept the tire noise on, just moderated down to like 25% of the 150% that it felt like it was on. Oh my God, it's a completely different game now. Just driving a little stock Miata with the full surround sound on and all the sliders adjusted to where they should be, it, I, I don't know. It was one of those like hand of God moments, like <laughs> reaching down through the clouds and touching me. Oh God, it was fantastic. So needless to say, I'm getting back into GT Sport. I'm finally gonna actually buy the game. I'm looking around because pricing is weird right now. It's still almost $40 and Gamefly, actually doesn't give me the discount that I'm used to. They still want $38 for the game used, where you can buy it brand new for like $33 on Amazon. I even sent them an email to their customer service saying, hey, what gives? And I got the, the stock generic response of, uh, you know, the, it's a, there's a lot of factors to consider like inventory levels and blah, 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 blah. So in other words, piss off. What, what did I have? I was looking at my account. I think I've been a member for 142 months. That's the respect you get. That That's being a consumer in modern times. So piss on me. I'm going to spend my money elsewhere because that's just bullshit. But, oh well. Um, back to the, the main subject at hand and more just of me droning on about racing games. Need for Speed Payback. This is a game that came out not too, not too far in the past. I think it was late, maybe like a, a winter. What the hell was it? I, I could look it up, but why would I do that? I'm pretty sure it came out towards the end of last year, maybe like a summer to pre-Christmas type of thing. And it's already on sale for, I think I paid less than $30 because it's basically a poor man's Forza Horizon and not the greatest racing game out there. So it's open world, but with more story, though not necessarily better in that regard than something like Forza Horizon that I've been playing a lot of. I think, though, it's got better graphics overall compared to Horizon in terms of the world itself. Like... There's better road and world design. The, the roads just have more, 
not necessarily realism, but more variety and more, they're more exciting overall than the Forza stuff. The Forza stuff, everything felt really like stretched out that you could just like, like it's, it's not scaled well because you've got little hundred horsepower cars that are going to be boring as hell driving on these long stretched out roads. But once you get to like the hypercars and supercars, they feel great because those things are going 200 miles an hour on the same curves that those little cars are doing like 50, 60. So kind of makes sense in Forza, but the problem is they didn't have enough variety of like the kind of in-between stuff. Anyway, back to Need for Speed, another kind of shortcoming is they kind of have worse car physics and driving feel. It's very arcade. There's like zero simulation to this one, where Forza is a lot heavier on the sim side, but still with a lot of the arcade fun. And this is that spectrum that I've talked about before, where you've got something like Need for Speed here that's far on the... Uh, I don't want to call it left or right, you know, and get all political, but far on the left end of the spectrum of arcade. Then you've got Project Cars and the PC Sims all the way over on the right side of the spectrum that are just like hardcore simulation. Forza is still firmly in the middle because it's got a nice balance of both. Now, moving into graphics. The graphics, like I said, the world looks great. Overall, everything is solid. This is a Frostbite 3 engine game, which is Battlefield, Battlefront, oh god, Battlefield Hardline, Mass Effect Andromeda. I was just looking at the list a little bit ago. It's basically everything that EA is producing right now. I think Dragon Age, one of the last Dragon Age games was in it as well. So it's a very flexible engine because, I mean, here we are with a racing game in something that's usually reserved for first and third person action games. So very cool use of it and a very nice expression of how flexible that engine is. The world again is very detailed, especially out in the desert. Like there's a lot of nice um, geology on display, I guess you would say. Because there's, there's lots of, like, ravines and canyons and mountains and stuff and hills. And everything just looks really natural and realistic in a lot of ways. While still being fantastic enough to be fun. Um, the cityscapes, though, on the other hand, sometimes they look really great. Other times they're kind of bland and generic. Um, something, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Like, you'll drive up to, like, a, a random strip mall. And it looks just super realistic. All, like, fake brand name, like, it's not Subway, it's, like, Someday <laughs> stores. And it, it's convincing as hell. And you can pull up and take pictures with, like, the in-game camera and get stuff that looks pretty realistic. But then other times, like I said, it's just flat and boring and dumb and nonsensical. That's one thing that comes up a lot is... The, the layout of the roads, especially in town, are just completely nonsensical. There's no sense of, like, flow or interconnectivity. And there's these long bypasses that you have to take because they just didn't plug in enough entrances and exits to the freeways. And that type of stuff is kind of goofy, but doesn't really take away from it overall. Um, many times, though, I, I do. I get caught up in the visuals and I just... I. Like, when I go into the mountainous areas, that's kind of like what I live in now. And it really just makes me, like, wish that I was just outside driving for real. 
which that's dangerous because it's it's very hard to play a game like this and i do it the same thing with grand theft auto most of the time where you're driving around like a maniac in the game and then you have to go out and do something in the real world it's really hard to switch back into normal mode so very very tempting very dangerous but anyway beyond that distraction the driving itself is very sticky and again heavily arcade the cars handle differently independently but they're also really similar the racing styles there's there's multiples there's um there's the drift class there's a racing class there's a runabout class there's an off-road class but everything ends up feeling basically the same the drift cars are much easier to throw into a drift but all of the racing comes down to drifting no matter what class you're doing you end up drifting most of the time through the turns and everything because you get a speed boost by doing it which again the arcade junky junk but anyway beyond that it's got that very basic table lookup physics that i always bitch about that there's no real physics going on it's just just picture that table of excel data where it says if you enter a turn at this angle at this speed with this car it it creates this effect on the driving and that's it so it's very predictable very restrictive and bland in that way in that regard and it's it's frustrating for me because i do i i expect a lot more from a game from a racing game than just that that's this is the absolute bare minimum this is something mobile games can do whereas something like forza horizon again kind of the the go-to standard the the litmus test for it like that's that's the better version and that's what's frustrating is god if we could just combine these two if if we could take the 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 physics and the the racing experience of forza and combine it with this world and maybe a little bit better story but i mean just oh yeah in a perfect world anyway so the gameplay overall there is a story it's nice it's nothing crazy but god the cutscenes are just painful it's torture you're also forced to use different cars for each discipline so Again, there's the race class, drift class, the runner class, drag class, off-road class. <laughs> Lots of different classes. So this leads to, I don't know, a, a kind of positive where you actually have to buy and try different cars. So you can't just use the same car for every different race class. Some you can. I, I, there's plenty of like crossover in between, but like I, I don't know. It's hard to think of an example like, I, I don't think you can buy a Lamborghini Venino or whatever the hell and turn it into an off-road racer. That kind of thing. But you can use it for race and drift and runners and, I don't know, maybe drag. But that's the thing. There's, there's a good system there that forces you to try different stuff as opposed to just having one car that's really good and you use it for everything. It is, though kind of dumb that some cars can't be used for certain disciplines but again it's 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 kind of moot in the the grand scheme of things as part of the story there's some action-oriented story missions that are interesting but they're also kind of annoying too they're really 
strict in forcing you into a time constraint and like a certain path that you have to follow. And then they throw in their garbage cops that I'll talk about a little bit too. So that's kind of neither here nor there. That's the big push of this game though too, was that, oh, look, it's Fast and Furious the game. And yeah, no, it's it's really not. And it's, like I said, it's it's way too scripted. It's forced. Nothing happens naturally. Once you get into one of those missions, everything's kind of on rails. And for an example, the first big mission was you're chasing this semi-truck that can somehow go 200 miles an hour like it's something out of Back to the Future or God knows what. Horrible example. But it can haul ass more than anything should be able to. Completely out of the realm of normal physics as we know it. But creates this like path of chaos where there's wrecked cars everywhere and garbage pouring out of the back of it and stuff exploding and fire and everything but it's only on one side of the freeway (laughs) so after the first time of like trying to swerve through all this crap and then crashing and getting stopped by their like little not cops but whatever the hell was running me off the road i had to retry went to the other side of the freeway to completely open road and that was it. Like I just, I never ran into anything and had it all figured out. And like I said, it's kind of on rails and it's repetitive in that way that once you go through it, if you ever replay it, you know where everything's going to be. And it's just boring actually overall. The other thing that's kind of broken is the difficulty curve of the game. So I started the game on hard because I watched a little bit of a playthrough video and that was the first feedback that that guy gave, but he was doing one of the story missions at the time. So the story missions, I don't know. It, it must like the, the, the difficulty modifier must affect those story missions somehow, but having it on hard, it really wasn't insurmountable at all. And they force you into a specific car so you don't have choice in that matter anyway. So I don't know. That was that was kind of an isolated thing. But when it comes to the rest of the game where you've got these other side missions where for each um, racing discipline, there's like a mini storyline, a mini quest line, they call it, where you get three to five races or whatever it is in that specific class. And there's like a rival gang or whatever of street races that you're up against. You do the four or five races and then you race their boss, blah, 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 blah. In those, the difficulty is completely bonkers because sometimes you lose. This is again on, on hard where sometimes I would lose by miles. But then other times I just destroy everybody for no apparent reason. And I, it's just bad game design, I think, more than anything, where you'll do the same race, like literally, race it once, lose, do a retry, and then the field is completely different. It's all the same cars because everybody has names, like they're all characters in the game, but the guy that was in last place the first time will now be the guy in the lead that's a mile ahead of you. How? If we're really going with this character-driven thing, that guy should be towards the head of the pack every time. Maybe not first every time, but definitely not first and last. Like, I, weird. Stupid stuff like that. Um, from there, you can also try to wreck your opponents as you go. 
but there's no bonus or penalty for doing it. And it's also not even that satisfying, especially when you compare it to something like Burnout, which, by the way, the Burnout Paradise remaster is coming soon or is out. I, I can't figure that out, but it's getting rave reviews because it's a perfect racing game and now it's been made even better. The Drift storyline was another, like, standout, like, poor-designed part of the, the game because it puts you on probably the worst possible roads for drifting, at least in the early events, like this, this first and second tier, because at that early stage of the game, you can't get a fast enough, powerful enough car to actually drift through the majority of these big turns. I think what the game design was intending to do was you have sections that you go between. So you'll have a stretch of road where there's nothing really you can do. And then a section of drift corners that are like really well set up for it. And then another section where there's nothing. And then a section with drift corners again. The game doesn't say anything along those lines because in between all these sections, you could still get points for drifting. So if you just fishtail down this straight road, you're still building points. They're not worth anything because you're not going fast enough, but it, it's just weird. There's, I don't know, again, in these early ones, there's super long sweeping turns instead of just nice switchbacks. That, again, with the low-level performance cars at that stage of the game, you can't push a drift through turns like that. It's just stupid. What they should have done is actually started this drift storyline in parking lots. Then maybe onto tight roads and then into the big open stretches as you build to more powerful and more capable cars. Dummies. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. It, it takes me 10 seconds to, to conceive that. This is a story-based game. There's your story. That, that, dumb. Anyway, there are lots of other activities in the world to find tons of unique roads and areas to explore, but it's also a carbon copy of previous open world games like Forza Horizon and even previous Need for Speed games like Most Wanted or something, which was, God, years and years before this. You've got the typical stuff like smashing billboards, finding unique jumps, blowing through speed traps, setting drift high scores, collecting tokens, which there's no purpose for at this point. And then you could also find old junky cars to fix up, which is basically a one-to-one -one checklist of everything Forza Horizon had. <laughs> it's so lazy in that regard. Um, there's also, from what I see, no real good incentive to complete the races, once you do them as part of like the, the little mini quests or whatever, there's no real reason to go back to them. And there's also no check mark or anything that tells you that you've completed them. So everything race-wise looks like it's just the first time you've ever done it. So you can literally, if you're dumb like me, go back to the same race multiple times thinking you're doing something and achieving something when you're really kind of not. You do build experience um, there's like a, a running counter that you have a level that I think applies to the, the tiers of upgrades that you can buy at the tune-up shops, but even that the game doesn't explain, so I don't know if that's actually what's going on. The um, progression overall is very strict and very linear. There are cards 
instead of any kind of tiered parts. The cards are also locked to low levels until progress is made somewhere in story mode, maybe, or with that level, like I talked about. So when you do races, you get cash and points for winning, but cards are really the only thing of value. And because of the limitations, it's a very boring system. So you can't just grind a few races, <clears throat> buy an upgrade for your car, do a few more races, buy another upgrade that gets you like to a higher tier or anything. Just nothing. There's nothing like that. It, you have to just take what the game gives you, I guess, is kind of my experience. But I don't know. I've got cars that are kind of too high level now. They're, they're too high of performance for the level that I'm at in the game. So now the races are really easy, but I kicked it down to medium. So now, again, that imbalance comes back. It's like, okay, on medium, it's too easy, but on hard, it was impossible. So I'm stuck somewhere in the middle and I... Ugh. <sighs> it's exhausting. It's <laughs> it's exhausting to talk about. God, I want to just wrap this up. I'm, I'm getting there. So, of course, it's an EA game. So there's loot crates. Such a pain in the ass in this one because there's ways to get, um, like, basically cosmetic additions to your cars um, through doing activities in the game you unlock shipments, they call it. And in those shipments, you have custom horns and upgrade money and regular currency. And then sometimes you get like special items like a musical horn or different nitrous colors or smoke colors or neon light colors for under the car, which should just be normal customizable stuff. I don't know what the higher tier things are because you have to pay for them. Like, you get this generic base tier for doing stuff in the game, but then there's this, like, premium tier that, yeah, if you if you spend real-world dollars, they give you 250 of these magical tokens that you can use for God knows what, and the typical thing that they're tiered from values of, like, $5 for one or two of those base boxes or up to $100 and more for a bunch of boxes of top-tier crap, but... Has anybody ever done that? Spent that money? I hope not, because it's sad. It's ugh, sketchy, typical crap. Anyway, the production overall, cutscenes and VO are completely atrocious. It sounds like Charlie Hunnam type stuff. Uh, Matt, if you're out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I really, 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 really wish they had stuck with the FMV from the last one. Those videos go look it up like do a comparison between the cutscenes of this piece of crap and the cutscenes from what was it the 2016 2015 need for speed just a hundred percent day and night better on the last game so i think maybe they they skimped a lot on this one and that last one probably had a really big budget for that production and now they said no we're not going to spend that money because it just wasn't worth it this is a racing game it's not a movie we don't need hollywood level crap going on here for this movie that we're or this game that we're promoting as like a hollywood level experience with just bullshit so overall i say it's worth about the 20 bucks i paid for it but at the same time i think forza horizon 2 or 3 or whatever the hell i was playing is still the better game for general audiences. I will still play it a bunch because I love open world racing games like this. There's 
a better variety of stuff to do, I feel. More engaging stuff to do than Forza. Um, again, I wish they could just make a bastard child between the two because one of the things I loved about Forza Horizon was that all of the racing events scaled to the car that you were driving. So you could drive any car, almost, in any event, and it would just scale the rest of the cars and the difficulty to match your car. So you always had a consistent challenge versus this one where it's, no, you got to bring the right thing or you're just going to lose, period. So kind of a pain in the ass. As it stands, it's basically just another forgettable D for Speed game for most people. So unless you're a weirdo like me and you really like crappy games, then I guess stay away. But anyway... That's finally all that I've been playing at the moment right now that I could think of. Let's get into the conversation with Alan Hale about our portable video games. Please enjoy. All right, everybody. Today in studio, friend of the show, Adam Hale is here with part of his awesome portable games collection. We're not talking Game Boy now. This is Tiger handheld territory, tabletop arcade games, and etc. How are we, sir? We are fantastic. <laughs> so he brought in a veritable crate full, overflowing with, like I said, Tiger handheld electronics. How, how else would we describe them? They are LCD games. I've got uh, LED games, which is just bright lights that flash in a pattern that you play, you know, press <laughs> buttons and they do other things. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got uh, a mechanical that's, you know, there's no there's no video screen. It's just gears and, and like, cylinders that spin that play games. And uh, uh, VFD, which is uh, something all its own. It's just pretty much another version of the LCD games, but mm-hmm. with brightly colored screens. Right. So, yeah, there's a... There, uh, and video game watches, so... It's just a just a cornucopia of of retro gaming going right. on in here, and I mean this is this is something that I think a lot of people remember, but probably forgot about. But there's, I mean, this growing like I called it earlier, an undercurrent of collectors now, mm-hmm. where we're finally starting to see the the value and the collectability of these things that have just been kicking around in boxes and corners of closets for decades now. Because I know. I had maybe up to 10 of these of varying quality throughout my childhood, mm-hmm. and today I have three in front of me. That's, that's <laughs> right. all I've been able to hold on to over, over the years because they break, they get lost, they get stolen, whatever happens right. to them. But, oh, yeah. I mean, they're one of those things that they're not so valuable that you put them up on a shelf and like lock away like a, a whole console or like a Game yeah. Boy or Game Gear. These kind of just got tossed around, kicked around, like thrown in a backpack or whatever. You yeah, know. no, they're, they're short short bursts of, of fun because mm-hmm. they're never really totally in-depth just because of the, the nature of the game itself. It's right. just, you know, a, a means of, of wasting time until yeah. the next activity. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, these are, I mean, they like we said, they range, it started, God, like in the, the 70s mm-hmm. with like tabletop football that was like an LED-based game. If they were even LEDs back then, there was yeah. those weird like the radiation v- ones or whatever the hell they were <laughs> called. Yeah, the very first uh, the very first gaming one was uh, was a uh, I think I read I'm not sure if Mattel was the one that made it, but it was a uh, it was a tabletop LED game. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, Mattel Electronics Raceway. It was it was very Ooh. weird because okay, it's it's got it has a narrow LED screen mm-hmm. that allows for I want to say like maybe three fingers width of a gaming screen that you play off of. Okay, but the controller was unique in that the um, you didn't hit left or right. Mm-hmm. It was a plastic flat 
but it had an imprint of a Formula One race car, and you just clicked it from middle, left, or right. <laughs> to and that, pick a lane, basically. To pick a lane, yeah. exactly. And oh, there wow. would be other LEDs that would yeah. come at you oh. that would indicate that's a car, yeah. move it to a different lane, oh, wow. and then... Yeah, it's it, so funny how they they start and and yeah, that's it went from something like that to in the in the 80s they got a little bit more it, it's weird because they find they follow like watch technology and mm-hmm. calculator technology like so early on you had those weird I they were like miniature fluorescent tubes is what I remember those those old LEDs looking like I don't even know how they work or what they are but that's oh like that's a little what I think dash of. or something yeah or, like those yeah, little yeah. dashes mm-hmm. that the calculators were and. That was kind of how everything was represented. And then, yeah, LEDs came along, made it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But then LCD screens, like for digital watches, right? That's that's the era that I really grew up with, and I think everybody kind of remembers first. Mm-hmm. But just like a, a funky little screen with a pre-printed image, and then an LCD screen over that that had pre-printed images on it as well. And everything's like a yes or no argument. It's either yeah. on or off. And exactly. But the the depth of gameplay, like we've been screwing around with some of these for the last hour now, and the depth (laughs) that can come from something so simple and the the complexity is astounding, really. Like, and it's still something that you will pick up and play for 10, 20 minutes. And Mm -hmm. most of these games you could beat in like 10 or 20 minutes or less. But I mean, it is. It's something that if you were a kid and you had in your pocket, it's something perfect for a bus ride. It's when there's nothing else going on, just tear through a few of them when you don't have your console of choice, these kind of things. But yeah, because back in the day, you had uh, Atari. Well, what could you right. do when you had to leave the house? Yeah, exactly. Um, there was no Game on. Boy. There was no Game Gear or PSP. Or <laughs> right. So, I mean, you had these LED games, and mm-hmm. it had a pre... Like, uh, the baseball one here has a whole field of gameplay. Yeah. You've got players on the field, and they're mm-hmm. just static images. But, you know, you, they light up in a certain sequence, and now right. a ball and is being hit at you. Yes, and a hefty imagination is required yes. <laughs> for oh, all of these. Yes, indeed. Because there, there's a lot of blanks to fill in because there's no actual movement in any mm-hmm. of these. There's there's no real animations. It's just a, an image flashes from one point to another simulating motion. Right. And that's it. That's the only way it works. And it's it's kind of hilarious to see it, but I mean, once once if you've never seen it before, like once it's in your hands, it just makes sense, mm-hmm. which is funny mm-hmm. for something so just simple and and static, but oh, they are. They're great. And then like you said, there's the other ones like the mechanical games that there's like a couple of racing games that have been made where it's basically a scroll on a spool that exactly. just continuously yeah. runs and you move from side to side, but it's also got uh, a way of sensing when you run into an object in there. There's some mm-hmm. other kind of mechanical interaction that goes on that, that, that causes like a jam and that, yeah, you know, it, exactly. it doesn't break the game. It just stops nope. it. And that, yep. it, that sends a trigger to like an, an alarm mm-hmm. when this, you know, when these two things make contact exactly. kind of noise right. or something. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. And just to see like the fact that all of these still work too, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oh, kind of yeah. crazy as well. Like things that are at least 30 years old and still just fire up like nothing. Just get some fresh batteries, clean the contacts, maybe. Yeah. If, if an old battery blew up in there, as they will. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I, I've, I've come across nightmares yep. of, of cleaning oh. and just looking at the corrosion. And yeah. Like, I've lost some in the cleaning where the metal just kind of flakes away. It's right. Like, oh, yeah, the, the spring just snaps off mm-hmm. with the battery. Like, yeah. Oh, God. Um, back to, like, the basics of these two super basic controls mm-hmm. some are one button like, yep. yeah i got a couple here just yeah just one button and it's like something comes at you yep. jump to avoid jump. it that's it and i mean the they range from like the the classics like bomb catch game 
Mm. That I mean, it's like when it started with like the Nintendo Game and Watch. Those were super popular. I don't think I ever saw any growing up, mm-hmm. but knockoffs of plenty. I mean, I remember going to Radio Shack and they would just have like a hundred different. Oh yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. total like fourth party. Like, don't know where they came from. Games that, like we talked about too, incredible box art. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for this terrible little narrow banded <laughs> game that's just like. I guess that's a tank. It's <laughs> hey, yeah. The the they, they they sell you on the on the sizzle, mm-hmm. oh, not the, the steak. Right. The trailers are amazing, and the movies end up sucking. Yeah. But there you no, go. <laughs> something along those lines. But yeah, basic controls that sometimes work. Usually, just like a move right and attack, or mm-hmm. like I said, just a jump button. But there's other ones that are crazy advanced that we'll get into. Oh yeah, yeah. Then there's also the sound, which typically is just beeps Beeps. and squeals and buzzes but later on like i've got an example of like pre-recorded speech and music that it's it's still grating and (laughs) quite distorted but still it's it's amazing how far they came with such a a simple little thing but oh man yeah the the tech just kind of it was it started like i said just with a pinpoint and Mm -hmm. just like okay so light this one light this one next to it like this one next and you got you know something moving across the screen right then there's the like you said the static image where so it looks like he's got both legs you know underneath him Mm -hmm. then you know, the it next frame flickers. of animation or whatever is like, okay, well, they can fit to the sides of that split leg. Yeah. So you light the two legs, you, then you turn those off, light the split legs, boom, he's walking. Right, right. And yep. just like, it's oh. just simple, just, and how you turn that into a game. It's crazy. That's, that is the, the mystery ingredient. And but, that, that's what, that's what draws me to this stuff is mm-hmm. that it's, it's so archaic. It's so old fashioned. That's mm-hmm. like, okay. Like even like this classic baseball one here, it's just lights. Yeah. That's all it is. And it's like, Okay, so one button tells the game, throw the ball at me. Right. One button says, I'm swinging a bat. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of that. No. But you do see this light coming at you uh-huh. like it's a ball being pitched. And then it just appears somewhere else in the field. Right. And then, you know, there's more, you oh. know. I mean, it's just, it is, it's all imagination. But yep. then you can still have a game out of it. Right. And that's just, that's wild to me. It is. It's it's a crazy achievement. And to think that. It's been going on for so long now. And even today, we're, we're talking about um, some of the new games that have come out even, I mean, still. These still come out in the form of, like, McDonald's toys. Mm, yeah. <laughs> up to, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I saw, like, a watch. But I remember there was, like, the Tamagotchis that Oh, yeah. Were oh, huge. I mean, yeah, Tamagotchis definitely are, are uh, an evolution of mm-hmm. these because they were just a different kind of LCD game. It's yeah. just... That was now a, a, a life sim game, right? With oh, talking about the, the crazy programming again, too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, it, they do. They do. They can get very sophisticated, and like you said, very simplified. Like, um, I have a breakout game here. Mm-hmm. All that is is just <clears throat> pixels. Right. And there's one pixel bounces up and down, and right. you know, you got your paddle is a, is a is a line of like four pixels, and mm-hmm. it just bounces off that, and the game is. You know, it recreates the 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 arcade games. Yeah, and, right. You know, they've got uh, they've got Pac Man out there. I've got I'm looking here. I've got uh, was it Iron Sword? You know, mm-hmm. n- classic NES game, Iron Sword. Right. Uh, you have Ninja Gaiden, which that was that, that's on my <laughs> list of gets. That right. was a lot of fun to play. Oh, but um, I mean, yeah. Then like the the arcade simulations. I mean, it's it's hard to find a word for them. I mean, what do they even call it? I, Just, I mean, yeah, like uh, it's like a a home. Home version of the arcade game, but as simple as simple could possibly be, yet still reminiscent of the gameplay. Like it, it actually like he's got Frogger in front of us now, 
And it's like a little miniature cabinet from the 80s and complete in box, which is quite <laughs> impressive. Yeah. But, <clears throat> I mean, the graphics, everything completes the illusion the, of, yeah, this is the arcade game. And it's got the gameplay elements and everything does a, what it should. Got a and, joystick. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not just like a cross pattern. Thing. It's like it's got a real feel joystick and uh, the the sounds are there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is the one that actually makes like a a, a tune that plays similar uh-huh. to the Frogger tune as well. Oh, we didn't we didn't bring it out, but yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it, it, uh, it the gameplay. I mean, the game the the old arcade games were pretty simple. Yeah, totally for, for the arcade games. Yeah, fancy to today, graphics for the time, but yeah, and so to recreate something like that is just you know ingenuity and yeah, that's yeah, that's another key element. In all this is the the ingenuity of it, the imagination that the developers had when mm-hmm. they were putting these things together to to try to bring together any elements of the game that they possibly could and make something that is playable and enjoyable but now today like we were talking about um the Oregon Trail game which oh, is yeah. just amazing that they they did that and actually put the entire game in there in just a little handheld in with, a portal, and, with yeah, your five I've, keys cuz that's all you needed in the original but it's and it's it, it's it's fully functional I yeah. I I I amazed my wife by telling her I never played this. I never played Oregon Trail <laughs> oh, as a no. kid. Yeah, and she's like, "What?" Oh. So she's playing it in front of me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "This is kind of like a text-based RPG." Yep. I'm like, "You go to a shop, you talk to people, mm-hmm. you make a you make a decision. It does it. Yeah. Gives you a gives you a, a a prompt, and you. I'm like, "This is a text-based RPG." Yep, totally. <laughs> and and it's it, the. I mean, it's 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 not like any of these. This is. A, I was gonna say there's. Oh yeah, no. I categorize the four different ones. There's mm-hmm. LCD, LED, VFD, and. Uh, uh, mechanical as far right. as these. That one falls under a new category now that they're making is right. that with these actual, you know, screens with actual mm-hmm. video gameplay. And that's exactly what the, the Oregon Trail one is. Yes. We, were, we were talking earlier about the new, there's these mini arcade cabinets mm-hmm. that have, you know... <coughs> that we have to get now. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, going yeah. shopping after this. They, because. they, they <laughs> have these actual real arcade screens to mm-hmm. them, but like smaller, like right. kind of like you were saying, the Raspberry Pi kind of screen, yep. where it's like actually an animated screen. Mm-hmm. Not these, and it's you know, the real image. game now. It's not an mm. approximation. It's the actual code running on a tiny little screen, like like the size of an old Nokia smart screen or like before smartphones, but also yes. color. So it's, yeah. it's a, oh, it's weird. It's a crazy thing. It's so hard to describe, but oh, it's exciting. <laughs> See, I, I've been a fan of portable gaming for mm-hmm. since, since starting this. Oh yeah. But what drew me to these was, like I said, was the, the, the fact that you couldn't have a video screen on it. No. So, right. you, you know, you made a gameplay out of this, you know, what images you can cram onto mm-hmm. the screen. Now they've got these, you know, expanded, you know, video screens for right. them. And it's just like, I, that's the evolution of portable. Yeah. I mean, not just like the, the Nintendo consoles, Sony consoles or anything like that. Like these are self-contained <clears throat> games that right. are, you know, the arcade experience. Yeah. Palm of your hand. Yeah. And I mean, it, it does, it, it starts triggering my imagination of God, what's next. Like, right. what else are they going to do with this? Like, how far... I mean, you can already, today, you can build your own, like a, we said, like with a Raspberry Pi, you can make your own tabletop arcade game. But when are they going to make, like, I'm already thinking of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. Like, the actual <sighs> arcade game on a little tabletop unit. Oh. God forbid, four players. But <laughs> still, like... We're at that point. They could totally do that. Like, there's totally. no reason, but it's. I'm sure that it's the price point that's got to work out. Right. Because I I think those little arcade games are maybe like fifteen dollars, if that. 
Are, are uh, they more? They're, they're more. They're um, more. Yeah, like uh, the one because they're they, the Oregon Trail one. I know is twenty five. Twenty five for the Oregon Trail. Yeah, those ones because I think I'm not sure what, why the components are, but it's they're around thirty to forty. Okay, for for the for the well, the I mean, real it video is, ones. It's a, yeah, it's a real video game. I mean, it's it's still worth it. It, it does put it on like a a different kind of scale for me mm-hmm. at that point. It's less of a must-have, <laughs> honestly, because I want it. It's it's something that's adorable and would be awesome to have on yeah. the shelf. It's not something I look forward to. Like, oh, I'm going to beat like Galaga <laughs> now, like <laughs> right on this little tiny thing. But man, it's just it's cool to imagine having that and being able to just just to appreciate it mm-hmm. and, oh, and yeah. to spend my money to thank them for making such a thing reality. Because <laughs> I love it. For me, like I said, was the I love portable gaming, and I told you that like I've got like three here the mm-hmm. that I like the I like the, the the shapes, the look of it. Right. The the fact that these don't look like arcade. I mean, the older ones, the tabletops look yeah. like arcades. Right. But the handheld ones don't, no, and it's not until recently that they started making yeah. you know arcade looking things, and now all of a sudden you've got a mini arcade mm-hmm. that is legitimately an arcade. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's Just, yeah, it's the full <laughs> evolution of it. And that's the thing, too, with your collection is that you do. You have the full spectrum of the simple ones, like the baseball and the older ones, to, and to the mechanical stuff and the, the cabinets, but then also into the later generation where they went apeshit crazy. And, like, he's got a Jet Moto game that's got 27 buttons on it, probably. <laughs> it's got multiple perspectives yeah, built it, into it somehow. A rumble feature. It's... The controller itself looks like a, a weird Nintendo 64 Dreamcast abomination. It's got the nose of a Jet Moto right. bike. It, it looks like a, a speed bike. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. Like I'm gonna have pictures of all this stuff that I'll throw on Facebook probably, so we can see some of these. But yeah, some it's of these wild. have to be like, seen. I yeah, mean. and then he's got the there's a Star Wars pod race, pod racer one that's got a little Anakin pod racer model on it. That's I mean it's it's neat. It's it would be shelf worthy. Right. Alone, just period, like without a game, like it's a neat little mini sculpture type thing. But God, they just they don't stop. And then the the crazy Titan AE one that he found randomly, that it's got like the whole Titan AE spaceship that opens up to display the screen with again like twelve buttons <laughs> to control it. It's got a crosstab, got two buttons, and there's like options. I mean, oh, and the thing here about this, mm-hmm. this this turns, yeah, for a reason. This it's is part of the game. This is stage select. Oh my god! You you, you turn this little thing at the top, and it, it actually cycles through <laughs> levels or stages that you're going to be playing in this yes. LCD game. Yes. I mean, no, it is it is wild. They the, went so crazy with some of these; it's insane. Because yeah, then you see like the the flip side of some of the tiger ones are just cheap as cheap can be. Mm-hmm. Like there's the the generic white shell games that there's a <laughs> billion of. They have some little clip art around the the borders of it, and then the screen. I mean, they're typically barely representational of the source, but oh, I, they, they yeah. do the job. Like, they, they mm-hmm. do. They pick up a couple elements of the game. Not all of them always, but there's there's good ones. There's bad ones. There's <laughs> there's the few that I had that I recall the, the best, um, like Mega Man 2. Oh, that mm-hmm. was another one that was really advanced and, like, something you talked about where um, you had different enemy types that you had to use a specific weapon on. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like the Mega Man games, yeah, you have certain boss enemies that, I mean, you would. You'd come up against Bubble Man and you'd use the fire attack or whatever it was and all the way up to, like, the dragon boss at the end where you're jumping yep. on little platforms and it, it had it all. It was so crazy to have like all the elements and just be, again, tucked into this little 
box that you have to figure out how to make this any kind of resemblance. <laughs> I mean, and thing. like I have, uh, I have the Mega Man Three one, mm-hmm. and it has uh, it has this really cool animated feature on it where uh, Mega Man will, you know, you you'll go and all of a sudden you'll see these little ripples in the ground. You're mm-hmm. like, well, what's that about? Well, you move, you know, you you get him to move one more space to the right. All of a sudden, he falls down below the platform that he's walking on. Oh, and he's just like he goes in the ground. The screen goes blank for like a split second. Uh-huh. He appears in the top left corner inside the rush, uh, the rush sub. And now it's an underwater oh, level. Wow! <laughs> Nothing's changed visually on the right, screen no. except for the location right. that's lit up that shows this image. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I fully believe because yeah. he falls off, and, you know, just and like any game yeah. would, as it transitions to this new screen, oh, he's wow. up there, and it's a it's a submarine. Yeah. You can see. Well, now you believe you're underwater, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I said, it's just. The, just it's almost like forced perspective that it, yeah, you know right. your your brain is programmed come from gaming already right. that yeah, you see okay exactly. so someone falls into the water all of a sudden it's like in order to make the whole new screen of water level well mm-hmm. now you have to do a new screen and then here you know, we are now, here we are you know in a sub <laughs> and it's like your brain just goes yeah no yeah, that's right no makes sense that's great well, <laughs> some of the the wilder ones that they got <clears throat> into as well um, the one that I I remember seeing and being intrigued by as a kid was the head mounted. R zone. Oh, the R zone. I had that on my notes to, because I can't remember the name earlier. We were talking about it, but it was this horrid thing <laughs> in the end. <laughs> it was like a, a little <clears throat> flip down Google Glass wannabe mm-hmm. from so long ago, but it was red yes. and it was just the LCD characters. There was no background. So if you were playing this thing, I mean, like the the angry video game nerd video on these is pretty mm-hmm. fun to watch if you want to hear the the negative side of it. But he plays it and totally points out like the best parts of it that you basically have to cross your eyes to play it because it's only in front of your right eye. Yeah, it's just... but then it's this horrid red color that's just burning into your retinas. Mm-hmm. There's there's no reference points because everything's just floating in your field of vision. And, do you know? And I've, I learned this. Do you know why it's red? Mm-mm. The same reason why the uh, Virtual Boy is red. Red LEDs were the cheapest to produce. Oh my god! That's exactly why it's red. Oh, because they so were the cheapest sad. to produce, right? Oh my god! That's it. yep. That 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 sells it right there. They should have put that on the box because <laughs> oh man, it explains so much. Oh, poor Virtual Boy. Right. Oh yeah, so no, far I, ahead of its time because I that was one I believed in. I. Blockbuster used to rent consoles, oh, and yeah. I, that's one that I got to rent oh, at least for a weekend. That it would and, come in, that yeah. like like Secret Service, mm-hmm. you know, the football, oh. and it was just this hard plastic, you know. And how how do you even play it? Because you have to set it down on something. Mm-hmm. If you put it on a table, it's always going to be too low or too high. There's no right way to play that damn thing. You and, know, you know how I play it now because I don't I don't have the stand. Mm-hmm. I lay in my bed. <laughs> And I rested on my face. <laughs> of course. Oh my god, that's so sad. I I remember oh, with the things mine, we do for our gaming. Right. With mine, I had to like put it on. I had like a big pillow that I could put it on on the floor. Set that on it, and then I would lay in front of it <laughs> on my elbows and play it for like mm. half an hour at a time at best because yeah. it, your elbows would start to hurt from the the floor and everything would like start to topple and lean. Oh, oh what a mess. Oh, and but then when you so were good. done with it and you were like in the real world, like, whoa, everything is yes. bright because everything oh. was, you know, so dark, dark in there and then in there, the yeah. red, you just don't see red anymore right? for a yeah. little bit. <laughs> All your colors are <laughs> distorted. And, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. That's, that's good times. And um, now we have virtual reality. Yeah, actual <laughs> virtual reality, which I've got the PSVR 
and I used it. I've played it. I don't know a fair amount, but it's it's definitely not lived up to the potential. Yeah, just because they the PS4 can't push the graphics. So nobody even tries. Mm-hmm. Like they just they they gave up on it. Not completely. Like there's still stuff coming out, but it's all the the isolated little pocket experience type mm-hmm. games. Like yeah. I played Accounting Plus, which was amazing. It's great in VR. Like the graphics are perfect for everything it's doing and what it is. But it's 20 minutes long. Oh wow! And it was like still I I bought it finally on sale for 15 or less, maybe like around 12 or something. And it's like no, that's I could buy a movie that I could watch for at least an hour and a half mm-hmm. for the same price. And you're giving me 30 minutes or less of an experience that, yeah, you can play through multiple times. To, there's like a one different ending, but that's it. Hmm. It's like, I, ah, it's, yeah. I appreciate it, but man, this this has got to be like a 5 to $10 thing. Like, But I mean, in terms of like full scale games, mm-hmm. there's five because you've got Skyrim that finally came out. Oh, okay. Skyrim that's a 10-year-old game. Like, so you've got that option. Resident Evil 7 was impressive. That one was actually really good, but that's the one that made me the most most uh, motion sick. Oh, really? So that was that was a downside to mm-hmm. it. But right. once you get over that hurdle, it, it was pretty amazing. There were some shockingly like real things in that where the, the first one that really hit me was you go under the house early on and you're like up to your nose in brackish gross water and walking through and like you have the rafters above you and it was it was brutal like that's that's the amazing side of now, VR. Now, that one, are you seeing first person or are you still yes. seeing third person? No, Ooh. that was first person on that one. Okay. So that, that was intense. But there's some other odd things that happen like with scaling. Mm-hmm. Like people don't look the right size in VR. Oh, okay. So like your, your girlfriend's in there and she looks like she's three feet tall <laughs> and anorexic like just because okay. like i said the scaling is just yeah. weird it doesn't it doesn't look right and your reference points are different so yeah just little little weird things like that that kind of pull you out of it mm-hmm. and then the graphics were a little fuzzy you know like and that was a big thing with drive club that was another that was like a, a launch title for the the psvr and it's just like beer goggles like y- even in the cockpit of the car like the effect is amazing because you're like in the car and everything mm-hmm. the 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 frame rate's great and everything, but everything is blurry. You you can't like even stick your face up to something to see it better <laughs> like you would naturally. And everything outside of the car is blurry, but still the effect is there mm-hmm. and the experience of racing in that was was still fun. But then yeah, Dirt Four I think or not Dirt Four Dirt Rally probably did it the best. Okay. That one's like a pinnacle game, and now Gran Turismo has like a a side mode where you can do like a one on one battle with the AI car, but that's it. That's the entirety of their VR mode. Oh so, wow! Yeah, to this day, Dirt Rally is the only game that completely lets you play the whole game in VR that works and is comparable to the the normal experience. Hmm. Like it definitely takes a hit for graphics, but it runs great and it's an amazing experience. Hauling ass through the woods in a Subaru, <laughs> you know, and just trees and crap flying past you. It it was great. Wow. But yeah, it's it's still it's a it's a hard sell at this point. I think next generation it's it's a must have. Like once once VR actually gets to that point where it's affordable mm-hmm. and the consoles can do it. We're sold. We're we're done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, back onto our handhelds. <laughs> Another one that I I saw. Um, I think I picked up on this from the the video game nerd one. The Gamecom. Oh yes, that's Tiger's 
first interchangeable cartridge-based mm -hmm. uh, Where they made, like, a console, mm -hmm. like a, a Game Gear console. And, they and it's tried bad. Some, it's bad, but oh. they tried some cool stuff with that Oh, thing. you know, it, it was, uh, it was I, I think that was the first touchscreen gaming. Cause it, yeah, the, the it touch had a stylus and touchscreen. Mm -hmm. And I, it came with, like, PDA functions. Yeah. It oh, actually yeah, yeah. had an internet hookup. Yes, <laughs> it could go online. It was... What the hell? I don't know what you could do, but no, yes. It, it, I don't think there was actual gaming, but for no. some, there was some... Some text-based stuff that you could get to. Yeah, I think it was like a like mm -hmm. a chat feature or like oh, an email feature. You know so what? Weird. The Game Boy had something like that. Some uh, the company Ooh. that made the uh, Game Shark, and I used to uh -huh. have. In fact, I still have it. It's 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 at home, but it's called the Shark MX, and it was um, it, it's it basically it, it's a. Um, like a router? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like a, like a, a modem. Router. Modem, there you go. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. It has, it's a cartridge. It's got this weird cancerous bulge to yeah, it. right. And it's got a port for <laughs> a phone cord. And it, you, it was a dial-up <laughs> oh, modem no. built into this thing. <laughs> you plug it into, I mean, I used, I, me and a, uh, my friend from, from uh, uh, high school got one because mm -hmm. we wanted to test it out. We were, yeah. we were big Game Boy fans. So we are yeah. like, okay, we got to check this we out, right? Yeah. So we each got one and you had to buy credits. <laughs> and it came with like, I think 10 credits or uh -huh. like that, which means you could send 10 messages. Oh, man. And every time you logged on to refresh to see if you got new messages, that was a credit. Oh, So wow. we would do this and we would send email yeah. over through our Game Boys where we thought it was the coolest <laughs> it thing. It is, yeah. It was but, such novelty. That's yeah, all it was. Right. But that's what made it so cool. That's insane. Man, the... <laughs> <laughs> Again, like making the most out of minimal oh, like ability, man. like oh, mm, that's mm -hmm. crazy. Because yeah, the most I ever saw was the the camera, and then the music game. If you ever saw that one on the the Game Boy, there's like a an a game that let you make music using the Game Boy's like sound card. Oh, that sounds familiar. Kind of like a Mario Paint had the feature that did mm -hmm. that, but yeah, okay. And that that thing, I know there's. Um, Musicians that actively use that mm -hmm. now, like oh, with the whole yeah. chip tune scene, like that's what kind of started it. I think was that was the first time that the general public got into actual video game music mm -hmm. that you could do at home. So like that was, I think that was a, a critical step in that industry. But um, yeah, that game call, I remember looking at yeah. it. Yeah, like, cartridge games, better graphics, visually, like still images looked a lot better mm -hmm. than any of these handhelds were. Closer to Game Boy, but so slow so bad like and these were like this was late because they yeah. were making bad versions of PlayStation era games with that thing. there's a there's Resident, like Resident Evil, Evil 2, 2 yes uh, fighting no uh, not only PlayStation but actually like uh, Dreamcast Dreamcast probably yeah. uh, fighting vipers oh my god uh, Virtual Fighter yes Virtual Fighter it was it, it, but yeah slow and, and the sound was so bad too like the sound clips that they put on it were just like <laughs> like oh horribly what? garbled horribly garbled yes uh, uh, but they tried and that's that's what I, that's and they that's did. why it's on my list of gets because yep. it was an attempt to do something with right. just the the at the time the portable technology they had yeah. and they you know they did something with mm -hmm. it they they made a game they made it functional right it might not have come out like you know it didn't good work. yeah but it happened right. and it exists and yep. that's you know that's yeah, that's something that I want to pick up too, just because well, of that. It's definitely one of those like underdog stories too. Mm -hmm. where you always love that. You always love rooting for the other guy. Like like we said, we're we're Sega kids, so we know yeah. what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because Sega does what Nintendo. Oh my god. <laughs>
Oh uh, yeah, those uh, the Game Informers and Game uh, Game magazines that have the, oh, yeah. the advertisements were just those I are mean, the best. I still I, I know there's a lot of people out there that kept a lot of those magazines, and I did for a while, mm-hmm. but I finally like tri- trimmed through it and kept some of my favorites, favorites. or yep. the stuff that had really standout stuff. Like I've got issues of I can't remember which one, but talking about the dolphin. Oh, before I think that was the Nintendo sixty four, the GameCube code name Cube. So it was like, and and the the ones for the Ultra sixty four before the Nintendo sixty four, like these preliminary things of like just garbage pre rendered stuff that they said <laughs> this is what the game's gonna look like. Oh man, it's yeah. classic to go back and see that <clears throat> stuff. Oh, that's a that's a that's a trip back into into the past. Oh yeah, I love those. But that's that's something that, again. Like I said, I'm. I'm broken as far as being a true collector because I mm-hmm. I I can't. I've fought against like my hoarding gene for so long. Jeez, oh, yeah. And it's just the fact that I don't know. Like the money that's involved with it is always going to be an issue, but also the space factor of where mm-hmm. where am I going to put this stuff? Yeah, like, all this. I mean, <laughs> these things aren't small. Some of them. No. So like, you need to have dedicated space for them, yeah. Like, you know. Just, like even if I want to display the Frogger, it's like right. you said, complete in box. I need a space for the box. Yeah, no, because it is. It's it's at least a foot tall, a foot wide, and almost a foot thick. Like that's if you had three of those, good luck. Like <laughs> oh, and <laughs> that's a whole. Believe shelf. me, I, I have I have a list of games that I want to get. Yep. There's still some out there that it's just I come across them. Like uh, I came across a uh, Donkey Kong at Ooh. the uh, Retro Gaming Expo. Ay. And it was like, I think they were selling it for like a hundred. I bet. Oh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I have to I have to limit myself. Every time yeah. I go, it's like, okay, I have a budget of 150. Mm-hmm. This game's going to cost me a hundred. <laughs> How it's bad a, do I want that? Do I want this and nothing else? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and I have to eat. Right, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's an all-day event. I have oh, to eat. Man. So, No, yeah. that's, that's something I do look forward to now. Having... Like I'm, I'm much better equipped because when I went to PRGE this last year, I mm-hmm. I had no direction. I was just <laughs> that's the first time I've ever been to a gaming expo like that, and especially like with the swap meet <sighs> component to it. Mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. oh my god! And the, I ended up just walking around seeing what the most expensive games were because yeah, I, mean, I mean it's that's entertainment in itself. But yeah, that just, was my first year too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been going for about I think this is my fifth year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went back when it was at the, I think, the Doubletree, when yeah. it was just in their little ballroom right. area. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, oh, I love this. I want to go when this comes again. Yeah. And now it's at the, what is it, the convention center? Yep. It's huge. It's huge. It is absolutely huge. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly my first thing was like, okay, so I didn't, I, I thought it was an expo. Uh-huh. So when I went there, I just meant to look. I didn't yeah, take any right. money or anything like that. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you're selling this stuff? Yeah, right. <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, oh. just looking around, just, yeah, it was, I mean, Going to your first one and it's at the convention center. Yes. Oh, that's that's it's that's overload. overload. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going to when it was small, I'm like, okay, this yes. is manageable. Well, Looking around yeah, at everything, we, and we did. We had the other the the smaller swap meet back at the DoubleTree mm-hmm. that we both ended up going to, and yeah, that's that's much more focused and easier to kind of set yes. goals and have an objective. And mm-hmm. we did like mm-hmm. me and my buddies had lists of stuff we were looking for. I got the games I was looking for, and yeah, it it just worked out, but. Getting back to the 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 bigger one, having a game plan oh. is, is critical. But like you said, after your first one, or if it is your first one, whatever, just go in, enjoy it. Maybe yeah. do the two day pass so mm. you can go on the first day, kind of scope everything out. But that's also probably the better shopping day. But hey, whatever, you know, you do, you do what you can. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> so I I always go for the Saturday. I went mm-hmm. for a Sunday once. It was disappointing because most yeah. of the vendors were either sold out of whatever it is they had before, right? Um, or the they're just going. not there. I mean, because it, it it closes early. I yes. Mean, so that, that one, and that's that's the word. Like the the real hardcore collectors make their mint is on that that tail yeah. end because mm-hmm. when everybody's boxing their stuff up, there's that mentality of I'd rather just get rid of this stuff than right. have to transport it. So please, five bucks for the whole box, <sighs> just take it all. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's good stuff to get into. But you're also up against people that know their product, mm. so it's not like you're going to get anything incredible. You're not going to find some complete in box rare game in the bargain bin. That's never going to happen. But there's still potential out there. You can no, find that no, random deal, thing that you're looking for. There's very much good deals out there. Especially if you're willing to trade, too. Because that's that's where the, the real money is in, in terms of collecting. And as a collector, I find it hard to think about what I can trade. Oh, I, yeah, no, I would never. Unless I mean, you have I, multiples. Multiples see, are the, the only thing, way to go. I have right now because my wife didn't realize uh, that I already had a Legend of Zelda video game watch. Mm-hmm. She bought me a new one. Ooh. Like I'm not even kidding. New. Oh, In God. case. Oh, no. With the, with the strap Ooh. still. I mean, this thing is a display piece kind yeah, of thing. Right. It's new. Ugh. And I'm like, okay, I, I got to keep the one that I ha- I've had for a while. Right. This one I can get rid of just because of the fact uh-huh. that a, it'll 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 net more and it's newer, so I don't have as much of an attachment to it. Right. And I talked to her about it. She goes, "But I got that for you." I'm like, "Right now it's sentimental yeah. too." So, so but yeah, and torn. you know, it, but yeah, it's it's you know it's multiples. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's I I'm not I'm not a multiples mentality kind of guy. It's like yeah. okay, I love this one so much, I got to get more of it. No. It's just like okay, I have it in my collection. I can uh-huh. say that I have it. I'm done. Yeah, right. Um, but if I happen to find one, like exactly, that's that's where the key is. If mm-hmm. you find one cheap enough and it's not like a big deal, like yeah, you could just grab it because that's that is that's that's credit for the future and a potential yeah. trade oh, because yeah. you could run into the person that's got the game you want, you've got the game they want, straight across, done, and or sweeten the deal for something that is more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I'll give you. 25 bucks for that and these two games and now it's worth 100 yeah i mean that kind of thing so i I love that aspect of it versus like the the hunting that i've attempted just loosely like i'll swing through like a a goodwill if i'm not doing anything Uh else and i haven't found ass like there's there's never been anything and it's like man how do these guys find this stuff like people are finding brand new inbox like switch controllers Oh man! For I, ten bucks, I, yeah, or whatever. I see like, those on on Facebook. What? Like how? Like, uh, it's crazy. Facebook. It's like, look what I found at Goodwill. I'm like, yeah, what? Why Goodwill doesn't have anything close to that? No, cool. No, everything is out of the box. It's filthy. Mm-hmm. It's missing stuff. It's oh, filthy. Yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> I I've had to do cleaning jobs on. I've 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 actually found a couple of cool games there. Never uh-huh. been like some of the higher quality ones that I have. But yeah, there's always a cleanup job. Yeah, there's always it's a like cleanup. I, I got my in-laws Wii and fired that thing back up, but they didn't send me with the nut nunchuck. So I had to get one, and I had gone through Goodwill, and they all looked god awful, oh, just dirty, gross. Yeah, there were oh. white ones that weren't white anymore, <laughs> so yellow, I, and they were like five bucks. Well, I go over to GameStar, ten bucks for. A perfectly clean, a clean one, newish one, and it's like done. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I will gladly pay you five dollars <laughs> to have cleaned this for me. Yeah, so yep. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a funny market and definitely something I do like to to see, but I don't think I'm going to take that much part in because mm-hmm. I've, like I said, I've kind of got what I want at this point, and unless I see something just spectacular that I didn't know I wanted, like that's right. kind of it. Like I don't have a list in mind anymore. Like the ones that I wanted, I needed to complete at a. Gran Turismo 2 
and I was missing one of the discs. So mm-hmm. I was able to get one of those for a dollar. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Swap meet. And then um, got Crash Team Racing, which was funny because one booth had it for like $15 and it was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. The, the disc was a little scratched up, a little, mm-hmm. little rough. Go over to another booth. Guy had a few copies of it, like 30 bucks each. Don't like, like, I'll gladly gladly like meet you in the middle but they're selling this for like 10 bucks over there you've got it for 30 can we do anything he's like best i can do is 20 like all right bye like the cheap one like and it worked fine like so that's that's kind of the magic of it too that's Mm -hmm. like a a perfect experience and like the stuff like um one of my buddies i i asked them like yeah what are you guys looking for and they tell me like oh here's the top three that we're looking for and we I just started hunting around. Like that yeah. was that was my job. And I ended up being like a bloodhound for it. Like I found <laughs> everything on their list and got to the point where they're like, stop. Like I don't have enough money to buy all of these. Like <laughs> like thank you, but no, like it's it's fine. Like just Yeah, because I just kept coming up. Here, here's another one. Here's another Oh, do you have this yet? Oh, you have that? Oh, have you ever played this? Like they're like, Okay, chill, chill, please. <laughs> like I don't have the budget for this. I'm gonna go um, broke. Yeah, I mean the the, the swap I was like looking at so much stuff like you know not even part of the collections that I'm, I'm looking for you know right no. oh no um, I, I, I mentioned before that I uh, I ran out of time at the Retro Gaming Expo yeah it literally is that big yeah. and if you spend time to look at everything oh, yeah. no, if you're you'll digging run through stuff, out yeah. and so like the, the, the floor closed the arcade uh-huh. was open but the floor you know right. the sales floor That's was right. closed yep. and it wasn't until I got home that I realized oh there was a billiard game LED looked clean like oh, like it was yeah. new kind of thing I was like, oh, well, then you know what? Hopefully they'll be at the expo next year. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Then uh, I, I think actually at the at the Fun Employment Radio podcast mm-hmm. uh, festival, you were talking about, and you were the one that actually told me about the swap meet. And I'm yeah. like, there's what? Yeah, right. Oh, I got to go. <laughs> Same vendor was there. They still had the, the, the billiard game. I bought it on the spot. I'm like, I was, no, this yeah. was something that I wanted. Not to get. this time. I'm not letting yep. it go this time. Yep. And, and it, it, it plays perfectly i mean it's an led game but it's that's what's fantastic too is again that's something that's over 30 years old now and still works just just like the day it was released and looks good too because back then i mean plastics were kind of new ish but they're actually of a higher quality than a lot of stuff ended up being like in the 80s and 90s like that's where you get the tiger ones that turn yellow Mm -hmm. and i mean a super nintendo console perfect yep. example like the pinnacle of home <laughs> entertainment at that point is a yellow disgusting turn now like but these old ones like the older ones look flawless i, I mean yeah this cubert one here i mean it's it's dusty I, I didn't get to dust a lot of them but yeah i mean the the decals are still looking yeah. nice the uh the the plastics like you said i mean it's a nice bright blue mm-hmm. the black that's have the any thing kind too of... colors like they they actually have bright colors like the frogger is, the frogger is a almost neon, neon green yeah, yeah like a neon green to it <laughs> it's it's great yeah, then, a lot yeah. of these things. I got this little guy, this uh, this tape deck here, that uh, little portable Walkman like thing. It's Is got a it? game built okay. into. Yeah, no, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it wow. plays cassettes, and uh, that's hilarious. You know, it's audio a cassette there. player it, with a, a Tetris style game on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, more columns actually. Okay, it's, it's, it's the, the vertical columns. one, yep. but yeah, it's it's a puzzle <laughs> game, but it's built you know, into it's, a tape it deck. Built into a tape deck. I'm like. Okay, and that's, again, the the uniqueness of it. Right. As a kid, I looked at it going, "That's insane. That's multi-feature. That's yeah. multi-function. I can listen. I I had a collection oh of the cassettes. God, yeah. So it's like, go for a walk outside, yeah. and you know, you see the screen perfectly. Listen to your oh. tunes, and yeah. Well, you it's, know, it's no different than I had a, a friend that would play Tetris on his Game Boy, 
but when he would be out walking around, he would just throw it in his pocket and literally listen to the theme song. Just the music. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, the that's... good old days. My God. Oh. Now, and again, chip tunes, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going back and listening to that stuff. Like, that's the thing, too. If anybody out there and you as well, if you're interested in um, good quality NES music, there's a guy on YouTube that I always go to when I'm thinking about specific games. It's the, the Wii guy? Oh. Wii Guy 8-Bit Stereo. Oh, okay. So what he's done is he's got like the highest possible quality rips of these songs, but oh. also goes in and divides them up by left and right audio channels. Oh, so stereo. So they're stereo now, oh. where they never were before. Like They were literally not coded in stereo. And now he's got it split up to where everything sounds just wonderful with this wide kind of ambience to it. And oh, yeah, it's and fantastic. And what's his name? It is Wii, Wii Guys 8-Bit Stereo is the account on YouTube. Oh, okay. I was it's, Twitter, but it's, all right. No, no, it's oh, amazing. I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm going to have to check him out. Because he's got everything. It started, I think, mostly with NES stuff. That's all I'm seeing right now, but I know he's branched out to other things, too, like Game Boy and Beyond. So, oh, see, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I would be looking at the Game Boy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's definitely worth checking out, especially if you've got the... The retro vibe. Oh, there's one. Battle Kid 2. Oh, Mountain of Torment. What is that? An NES game, yeah? Uh, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) I can't. I can't get into that now. I got stuff to do. That's a new show. That's a different show. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's... I'm still trying to get the music stuff together. Like, that's something I'm super passionate about and want to get some, some heavy hitters in on. Is oh, just talking video game music, and that would be awesome. like I want to yeah. get with some people that have actually produced or want to or are like oh my blah, 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 blah. <laughs> very interested. But for yourself, thank you very much for coming in, yeah. bringing your collection. Yeah. We'll do this again. We'll find another topic that we can dig into or just BS as as general. I mean, like we got into just yeah, all oh, kinds yeah, of random yeah, yeah. shit. So I'm looking forward to doing it again. Definitely. Again, thank you. And anything else to throw out before we close her down? Uh, no, not really. I mean, like you know, this is like I said, this is a passion of mine. I'm I'm happy to that the Retro Gaming Expo, yeah, uh, is is a thing. Hell and, yeah, you know this. You know, Somebody I, will have your own booth, but museum only. Nothing, uh, you know nothing what? For sale. I, <laughs> uh, that had been that had been brought up. Like you have a lot of these things. I mean, I, I told you they could they could probably do an exhibit because they had last year um, all the Atari stuff. I'm oh, yeah? sure there's there's a point. Oh. If we talked to enough of the right people, we could probably they would probably do that. This runs the gamut. Like I, you yeah. know, I've got I've got you know as far back as the original LED games to mm. you know uh, some of the higher end you know LCD yes. games. So right, yeah. You know, I've I've never actually thought of doing something like that, but man, well, theoretically, now, I, I cover the gamut. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. You get a couple of display cases out there, throw a bunch of these in there, that'd be rad. I can see it. I can see it now. Oh, you know what? You, got, you actually got my brain going. I can see, like, right? print up little little descriptions. Oh, yeah. The year, yep. little description of the Who game. released it. And, oh. Yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. Nope. Yeah. We're, see, that's we're nerdy. See, that, I just have that just for my house, too. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Awesome. So now we're going to take some pictures. I'm going to definitely play Jet Moto before we, <laughs> we get out of here. But, yeah. Thanks again for coming through. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Awesome. Talk again soon.